Hey folks, before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to share that InfoQ's International Software Development Conference, QCon, will be back in San Francisco from October 2 to 6. QCon will share real-world technical talks from innovative senior software development practitioners on applying emerging patterns and practices to address current challenges. Learn more at QConSF.com. We hope to see you there. Good day, folks. This is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ Engineering Culture Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Phil Alves. Phil, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. The place I like to start with my guests is, who's Phil? <laughs> I'm a entrepreneur, a below-average software developer. <laughs> I, I love to build products, and I have multiple companies in my career. And I also have hobbies. I love flying airplanes, and I love Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm Brazilian myself, even though I've been living in the United States for 10-plus years. Yeah, so that's kind of like me in a nutshell. So. The reason we got together is some of the work you're doing on technical leaders, be better coaches, coaching the people around them. What does it mean for a leader to be a coach? I like to make the differentiation between training and coaching. So training is usually a syllabus from A to B to C. We're teaching a topic. Coaching, it's more like we're talking to the person that we are coaching or mentoring, you're understanding where they are and you're helping them with the problems that they have right now. It's a lot more customizable. I think sport knowledge works very well for building software. I, I see kind of like, let's say the coach of an NBA team, he's there at the team, he's looking exactly what's happening right now and he's bringing his players in and say, hey, do this different. We can do this better. And so that's what coaching is. And I feel like we don't have a lot of tools and ways to do that in software development, even though we have been building softwares for 20, 30 plus years. And so I want to do better there. And the way that I figure out that we are not that good is when I had a software team that grew from 10 to 100 and things start to fall apart. Because when your team is small, it's very easy. Everyone is working together and you can kind of see, but when things grow and then you start adding people, just training won't do it. You need to graduate from training to coach. And I'm building a product to help people do just that. The product's called DevStats. DevStats. What are some of the stats? What are some of the things we can measure in this space? Yeah, so I like to start benchmarking like where your development team is against industry standards. The industry standards come from research that were done by Google and Microsoft, like the Dora metric research, the space framework. And the six numbers that I like the most it's planning accuracy. How well are you planning? What's the percent of the things that we say we would do that we actually got done? And more important, where we want the number to be? Because if the number is in 100%, there's a problem. Going back with our sport analogy, it means that you're going just for the layups. It means that you're not taking risks enough. You know, So like, where should that number be? And good place for the number to be is like 80%. That's kind of like the sweet spot of where we want that number to be. The next thing we look at is change the failure rate. What's the percent of the things that we move to production that they're breaking? You know, so we're looking at that and you're like, how are we doing? And again, if things never break, it probably means they're moving too slow. So we want that below 10, 15%. And then we track that across teams and be like, okay, you're changing the fire rate. Here's five, here's six. And that's what we look at. The next number of the six that are 
the main ones that I like to look at is cycle time. How long does it take from when we start working on something until when that code gets merged? The next one is deploy frequency. How frequent are you making deploys? Like the more efficient a team is, the more frequent they're going to deploy. Like high-performing teams, very high-performing teams like GitHub team, they're performing every single day. But like more realistically, if you are deploying every week, you're in a very good place. Then we look at code review size. That's one of my favorite numbers because that's about collaboration. And that's about making sure that we are not biting too much. You know, so like how big is each piece of code that's going to code review and is actually real code review happening? And we want that number like to be 400 lines of code max. And most times when people connect our tool to check where they are, they're like over 3000 lines of code. There's no way a developer is going to be able to review 3000 lines of code. And then we look at real work rate. What's the rate of things that we did that we are having to redo it over and over again and that. Maybe it is because of bad planning or it's because of things that are changing or for every reason. So, so there's many other things that the software track, but those are the six main numbers that I like to look at the team level. And then it's called dev stat. So I like to look at numbers at the dev level. So like at the individual level, I'm looking how well is his collaboration? Like how many PRs he review? How many PRs he comments? What's the size of his own PR, his own pull request? You know, like the more senior the developer the more I want him reviewing work and helping other people progress. And so his biggest impact, it's not actually writing code himself, but it's helping other people get better at writing code. And that's something that's very hard for teams to understand. And it's a mindset shift because sometimes senior developers, and again, I see that happen all the time, they would feel like, the actual work's getting behind when they're trying to help other people. And the way that we track, we're like, we want to show their impact, not only in coding production, but the impact that they did with the other people. So we look at collaboration. We also look at how many pull requests they create, how many issues they resolve, how often they are committing, like we want them to commit. And overall, what were they able to accomplish? So those are kind of like the numbers that we look at from the team level to the individual level that allows then the coach to look at those numbers. I mean, let's say, again, I'm going to keep going back to sport knowledge. If you keep missing the three points, then I have to go and coach you on the, let's get the three point right. And here's the same thing. If I see a senior developer not doing code review, I'm like, your biggest value is bringing other people up. I need you to improve your code review. I need you to do more code review and less coding. So that's kind of like the numbers that I look at. How do we make it safe to record these types of numbers? Because in many organizations, metrics get gained all the time. How do we make it safe? How do we make it real? Yeah, I think the foundation before we look at any kind of numbers is your culture. You know, like the secret for high-performing development teams, it's a strong culture. It's a culture of where people can trust each other, where they know you're not going to be shut down, where they know that they can be real, where they don't have to lie, where if the numbers are bad, everyone's going to come together to fix the numbers, not to point the fault. Because it's usually like, here's what people don't realize. When something is wrong, it's not a person fault, it's a process issue. There's a process that's wrong that we have to fix. And good cultures know that. And then so when they look at numbers, they understand, okay, there's something wrong with our process. What can we do better here? You know, so it's very hard because you're only going to be high performing if you have a great culture. It doesn't matter how many tools you try to put on top to track what your people are doing. The foundation, it is going to be that great culture. And then the tools are just like enhancers. And it takes time. It takes experience. 
honestly, I don't know how to teach people how to build an amazing culture, but I know that's the foundation to any high-performing team, to any tools that can actually track numbers. Thinking of our audience, the technical influencer, technical leader, certainly some of the things that we've talked about in the metrics, they're going to be interesting. They're going to be useful. I personally totally agree with you that culture is the foundation. How do we build that culture? How do we nurture that culture, perhaps, is a better term. I think it's in the day-to-day with like how you react to when things happen. You know, it's how you treat people, how you react to problems. Each culture is different, but like the values, they have to be set. And let's say if someone, it's not following those values, you have to be willing to hire and to fire based on the values that you set. So like sometimes you have a superstar that doesn't align with the values that you set. So you either change your values or you fire the superstar. (laughs) You know, you have to do that because if people don't believe that the culture, culture is like the way we do things here. It doesn't matter if you're having the wow or not or what you have in the wow. Culture is the way that things happen at a company. And you just have to make sure that in the day-to-day, the way that things are happening, it's to build people and to build trust and not to destroy people and destroy trust. Sounds so easy. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> if I'm in that, and I love what you're saying about the role of the senior dev is to help others be better. Many of the people who are in that position, who've moved into that position, have got into that senior dev position because they care about doing the work. How do you help that person become a good mentor, coach, guide? Yeah, it's not that he's going to start doing the work. It's that he has to, the percent of the time that he's doing the work and the percent of the time that he's bringing other people up have to be split. You know, he's still probably going to take like the most challenging pieces, but... The success of a senior person, in my opinion, is how many other people can you bring up? The success of a leader is how many other leaders can you create? And you can be the leader that you wish you had when you were coming up the ladder, you know? And so that's what you do. And I think, especially in the technical space, many times people don't have a leader that sit with them and tell them, hey, this is how you can simplify this. Like one thing that I see most time, mid-level developers overcomplicate stuff. It's like the junior developer makes things simple. Mid-level developers make things complex. Senior developers make things simple. (laughs) You know, it goes like that cycle. So you have to be sitting with those mid-level people and help them simplify, help them grow. And they also have to be in an organization that let you do that. And or in some way, you have to be able to show to your organization that that's your value add is. Because even if I'm very good at doing something, if I bring three other people up, I'm not going to make the work of three people, you know? And especially if I'm avoiding helping these people avoid big mistakes, if I'm helping them like move along the way. So I know it's challenging. Working with people is a lot harder than working with technology. My computer does exactly what I tell it to do. Even myself, I like to call myself a below average coder. If, when I'm cold, the computer does what I want it to do, but people don't. And so that's another skill to, to do it, you know? So you have to develop that. But there's a lot of growth that come from that space and from being able to migrate a little bit more into the mentor and the coach. And that's kind of like, I feel like how you go from a senior engineer to a VP of engineer, because then the VP of engineer is like really that coach. And then I feel like you still have to be looking at pull request size. You still have to be looking at how codes were written. You still have to be helping with code review. And you have to be like there coaching your players. Something that you've been quoted as saying is moving from developer mindset to developer skill set or building developer mindset and develop skill set. What do you mean by that? Well, you have to get in a place where you're not only writing software, but you are developing people. 
you know, developing software is a thing, but developing people is another thing. And I think if you can do the transition as a developer, you're going to grow a lot. And another thing is you can get from the place of writing software to influentiating software. Like a senior person or a leader, he can influence what's going to be done, how it's going to be done, why, what's better. And I personally think that's a better place to be where you're not just writing stuff, but you are influenciating and deciding and helping shape a vision of products going to look like or how a team is going to look like. That's a good place to be. Another thing, you've touched a number of times on simplicity. And you mentioned the mid-level developer has a tendency to make things complex. How do we coach people? How do we teach people? How do we support people to, in that simple is good mindset, but not too simple, perhaps? <laughs> well, I think simplicity is the biggest degree of sophistication. I didn't say that. I don't know who said that, but it's somewhere. I read that and I kept repeating, you know, like our biggest value in my organization is keep it simple. What happens is when we start learning a lot of stuff, we want to use everything that we learn, but we have to make sure that we are just doing what is necessary for the task. And I think the way we coach that, it's by showing people how much easier it is to onboard someone into a product that kept things simple. It's showing people that the most senior person that gets the biggest salary is writing simple stuff. I'm like, look, this is how I do it. You don't have to overcomplicate because you learn about this somewhere or because you think that that gives you more value. The biggest value it is to get software to market quick and to be able to onboard team members quick. And what I like to say is that at the end of the day, we're building products and we have to think, how can I build a product the fast I can? So I know it's a hard concept. And I think in the past years, we made things a lot more complicated with all the uh, money that was in the tech world because you had so much money, right? And then like there's teams with hundreds and hundreds of developers. But now that the money is tight, people are going back to how can I simplify this? How can I do more with less? But I feel like that was always the way to go. And it's that's that we made a detour into the wrong direction. We're overcomplicated. We keep saying that we don't have enough developers. Is it because we are complicating stuff so much that we always need hundreds of developers to do any little thing, you know? So we really need to, but now where people have less resources, they have to do things with less. I see a big point to simplicity, but in the last six, seven years, I saw like things getting more and more complex and people want to add more and more pieces. I guess it goes in cycles, you know? How do we really support our people as a technical leader, as a senior dev, what does it mean to really support the people that I work with? I think it meant that you are coaching. You're getting to what they're doing. You're not leaving them alone. You're there for them. And you're looking at the right things, the right data points that's going to help that person be better. You know, for example, if their pull requests are too big, you're helping them break down tasks in smaller tasks. You're helping them plan to that. You're showing how you do it. So now they're having smaller pull requests. And I think it's, again, it's about, Doing by example, the best way that I know about teaching anything, it's let's do it together. Let me show you how I do it. Come here and shadow me or let's do a pair programming. Let's get better at this. But also just giving that person a place of safety where they can raise their hand. They can say, I don't know. Another thing that I feel like senior people are very good at saying it's I don't know. And junior and mid-level people are not very good at doing that because they're afraid of look stupid. They're afraid of say, I don't know. So getting that person that you're mentoring and that you are coaching to a place where they start feeling comfortable saying, I don't know, where they hear you and see you saying, I don't know, and being humble, 
that's where we're going to really help someone develop. Because if they're not comfortable to ask for help, to say, I don't know, to look at their data points, where's good, what's bad, to like be open and be vulnerable, it's going to be very hard to help someone grow. These are not skills that we typically teach developers in their journey to becoming a senior developer. So how do I learn to coach? How do I learn to teach others? By doing. <laughs> and you learn from people that, from good coaches. I believe if you don't have a good coach, maybe you should try to find a job where you have one if you want to be a great coach one day. <laughs> you know? So that's what I honestly believe. You learn from other people. You learn from books. You learn by doing. Books are great, but we can talk about theory all day long, but only when people actually start doing and start like reflecting on what they did is that they're going to get better at. You know, like I can't read everything about flying an airplane, but I guess I go fly the airplane. I'm not ever going to become a pilot. And that's how things work. Well, there have been some interesting points and great ideas in this conversation. If people want to continue the conversation, where do they find you? You can find me at fuelalvis.com, my website. I'm also on LinkedIn. And they could also go and try DevStats at devstats.com. It's free trial. We don't even ask a credit card. And they can kind of start looking at those data points and how you can better mentor their developers. Thank you so much.